Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. At times, the Apostle Peter's way of writing in his New Testament epistles seems very strange. Though his content is quite high, he breaks many rules of composition by mixing metaphors and awkward use of grammar. For example, in chapter 2 of 1 Peter, he describes the spiritual nourishment in the Word of God by comparing it to the nourishing milk of a nursing mother for her newborn babe. But then, without any apparent transition, the metaphor changes to Christ being a stone for the building up of God's house. Well, as a work of literature, we might have ground to criticize Peter, but as a conveyor of rich spiritual content, we'll see today that Peter's writing is full of the divine thought and deep experiential enlightenment. Bill Lawson has joined us for a program today. Bill, it seems that uh, each time we come to Peter so far in this life study of First Peter, we realize, yes, he was maybe a uh, uneducated fisherman by his uh, natural training and background, but something of the divine economy, the divine thought, and the divine experience has really been wrought into him that comes out so marvelously, haven't we? That's really so, Chris. I really enjoyed your word concerning Peter in your introductory word. Of course, Peter's background is not one of a high degree of education, And if you compare him to Paul, there's no comparison. Yet, Peter, it's amazing, although he did not have the education as a background, he has some marvelous, profound uh, things to say in the divine revelation that we really need to get into and and see in this program. I think this chapter, uh, or at least uh, these first few verses in chapter 2, really illustrate this as we're going to uh, get into them today. In chapter 2, verse 2, He says, as newborn babes long for the guileless milk of the word in order that you may grow unto salvation. In the program yesterday, we touched this matter of the guileless milk and the effect that it has on the guile that's within our being. And it's really our salvation. So it gives more meaning to this phrase that you and I were talking before the program today, Bill. I have to believe this phrase puzzles many believers, doesn't it? That you may grow unto salvation. What a concept. Really so, again, because the concept of most believers is that salvation is just once and for all. It's a salvation from hell. It's a salvation from sins. And once we are redeemed by the blood of Christ and we enjoy his rich salvation, that's it. Salvation is over. But as we'll see in this program and in the future weeks, salvation has many different phases. There's uh, initial salvation. Sure. There's a, a progressing kind of salvation. And even there's a consummating kind of salvation. Yeah, which we saw in uh, chapter 1, verse 9, when Peter talks about the salvation of our souls. There is a kind of a, well, it incorporates both this progressive aspect that you touched on and also the consummating aspect, doesn't it? Right. I mean, to be saved is not a small thing, uh, as most believers realize. We are initially saved in our spirit when the Lord's life comes into us, but our soul and our body has not been saved 
yet by any means. So we need to grow in the divine life so our soul may be saved. And then eventually when our soul is fully saved, that will bring about the full salvation of our physical body, which the Bible calls glorification. Well, these are the stages of salvation. There are aspects of salvation. There is, of course, a what Witness Lee liked to describe, especially later on in his ministry, as a judicial aspect. This is what is commonly thought of as the initial salvation where the record of sin is dealt with, where objectively before a righteous and holy God, uh, we are found to be righteous in Christ, and our sins are removed as far as the east as the west. This is the objective salvation, and it's a marvelous aspect. But in Peter's writing, the emphasis clearly is on the other aspect, which we could call the organic, the living, the day-to-day uh, salvation, not just uh, from the record of sin in the heavens, but really from the nature that we have by our natural birth. And that's the road we're going down today, isn't it, Bill? All right, let's join Witness Lee and today's wonderful word on the nourishing milk in the word. Long for the gallous milk of the word that by it you may grow. Grow into what? Grow into transformation. Not the outward correction. Not the outward adjusting. Not the outward improving. Not outward learning to be good, but the transformation from within, by life and in life. Yes, the gallus milk is in the word. It fades. It nourishes, no doubt. But it only fades the living ones, the organic ones. As newborn babes, the organic thing is in the newborn. As you are a newborn, you are very organic. As newborn babies, you have to drink the milk. So the milk will offer you, will afford you the organic nourishment. Right away, your life within works together, cooperates with the nourishment of the milk. Because we have been newborn, we have the life that is the regenerating life. Amen. You see the point? In chapter 1, Peter says, having been regenerated. In chapter 2, he says, as newborn babes. Amen. This refers to the same thing. Amen. right? Regeneration with the divine life is the base Amen. for growth. is the base for the purification of our inner being. It is the base. We have the divine life in us that we have received in regeneration as the base of all spiritual growth. To purify or to grow, we all need this base, this ground. As newborn babes long for the girlish milk of the word, that by it you may grow unto transformation. Well, Bill, he points out here uh, in verse 23 of chapter 1, near the end of the chapter, he brings in this matter of regeneration, having been regenerated. In any way you look at it, this is an organic term, isn't it? It really implies the imparting of life. Uh, it sure is. In fact, in that first chapter there, you have regeneration in the first couple of verses, and then in verse 23 again, Peter makes it very clear that you believers 
have been regenerated. That is a life matter, like you mentioned earlier, Chris. It's an organic matter. When we were saved and born again, God's divine life was imparted into us, making us newborn children of God. It's an organic matter. It's a life matter. We received a divine life, a divine element into us when we first called on the name of the Lord Jesus. And Peter's burden here is really that we would grow and mature in that divine life, that we would grow unto salvation, and we have to be saturated by this divine life. Bill, I'm asking you to do something maybe related to your own personal background and experience. Contrast this thought with, uh, let's say, the thought that you had as a, a young believer, you know, just freshly saved and reading scripture. Come to a verse like this. What would this convey to you, grow unto salvation? In my background, particularly, uh, Chris, Of course, I would read this verse as uh, being saved from hell, God's judgment, God's condemnation, from my sins, and so on. And then after that, I don't know how I would look at this verse because in my background, salvation was a once and for all thing that happened once, and that's it. But Peter here is much deeper than that. He's not so superficial here. After we receive the Lord's life, we have to grow in this life. And the more we grow in this life, the more we're saved from so many negative things. Mm. We're saved from not only our sins, we're saved from uh, worldliness, we're saved from our natural ambition, we're saved from independence, we're saved from ourself, we're, we're saved from losing our temper, we're saved from argument, <laughs> we're saved from a host of things <laughs> by enjoying this rich divine life. The Apostle Paul makes this same point. As you said, maybe stylistically they were different, and as it turns out, much more of the New Testament record was uh, flowed from the pen of the Apostle Paul. But in thought, by this point in Peter's life, they are really on the same line, the same track. In this coming portion, Witness Lee is going to refer to a verse. I'd like to quote it. He doesn't give the uh, reference when he, he just refers to it by thought. But in Philippians 4.13, Paul writes, I am able to do all things in him who empowers me. And again, here we're talking about this kind of salvation, not just from an eternal destiny without God, an eternal destiny we we don't even like to think about, but we're talking about a very practical daily salvation, aren't we, even in Paul's writings? It's a daily salvation, and we need a moment-by-moment supply as Brother Lee puts in one of his footnotes, to save us from daily things. Uh, It's not just a a salvation once for all, but daily we need to grow in this salvation. We receive the divine life. We need to grow in this divine life and enable us eventually to mature in this divine life. And as you say, Chris, this is the same thought as Paul had. Paul also, in his 14 epistles, he talks about salvation very much like Peter does. Let's uh, add the next verse in Peter's writing in chapter 2 to the context here of our portion just ahead. It says, if you have tasted that the Lord is good, and Witness Lee uh, will point out at the beginning here that Peter is also fond of adding new thoughts or qualifiers, and that's surely what we have here, tasting that the Lord is good. Peter, he like always add something. If you have tasted that the Lord is good, this is something added. This is a condition. If you have tasted that the Lord is good, of course you have been regenerated. But whether you have tasted the Lord or not, Peter is not sure. Peter says, as newborn babes, you long for the milk of the word that by it 
you may grow into salvation, no doubt, this is for sure, but it is still conditional. If, if you have tasted that the Lord is God. You see, if you have tasted, it's a kind of condition. By this you can know. And you can also realize this by the real situation. Today, thousands, thousands, even millions of believers, they have been regenerated, but they have never tasted that the Lord is good. This is very crucial. The tasting of the Lord is altogether in the inward life nourishing. Under all kinds of environments, circumstances, I can make it. Paul says, in the one who empowers me, I can do all things. I can stand riches. I can stand poverty. I can stand the good environment. And I can stand the very bad circumstances. I don't care for the outward situation because I have the inward nourishment. The inward nourishment is the tasting of the Lord. Peter says, if you have ever tasted that the Lord is good, surely you will long for the milk in the world. Bill, I think uh, all of us have experienced in our Christian life periods of time when the Word of God may be very dry to us. Uh, Just honestly speaking, it's difficult for us to find time to read it. We make excuses not to read it, and it just doesn't seem to draw us in. At other times, it becomes sweet to our taste. It becomes something we begin to long after. And here, he really connects it, doesn't he? The longing is connected to First, our tasting of the Lord. How important is this in our approach to not just Bible reading, but the Christian life as a whole? I think many times uh, in our most trying situations, we may have a deeper longing for the Word of God to taste it than even during times when things are going okay. Uh, I was considering the background, Chris, of this epistle. Peter here is writing to the Jewish believers who were scattered. They were really undergoing tremendous persecution and Peter is trying to minister life to them because being a Jewish believer, they were persecuted by everyone, even their own kinfolk who were not real believers. So Peter is really trying to bring those Jewish believers back to a real longing for, a tasting of the Word of God, that they would continue to follow the Lord, not shrink back to Judaism or the past, but to continue on with the Lord. And he's trying to bring an incentive into them in that if they would long for this guileless milk of the word, they could grow unto salvation. And eventually, they would really learn to take the Lord in, in good situations, uh, bad situations, and all kinds of situations. We also need to be those that need to turn the word that sometimes is dry into something living and fresh. And that comes mainly through prayer, praying over the word and praying with the word to turn the word into something living that can nourish us and supply us. So if I understand, Bill, both what Witness Lee is saying here and what you are confirming, when the Lord becomes so real to us, and not just, again, outwardly, objectively, but within us, to the point that we are tasting him, t- 
tasting his sweetness, tasting his preciousness, that affects our own desire, love, appreciation, and longing for the word, which then, of course, nourishes us. And it becomes a kind of a cycle, doesn't it, that uh, propels us in our Christian living? It really does. I was considering, too, Brother Lee wrote a number of hymns which he really talks about newborn babes longing for the Word, coming to the Word in a rich, simple way. These are also very helpful. Many times when we come to the Word or we come to sing hymns, we sense we're like a babe. We're just craving, we're longing for this guileless milk. And it's, like you say, more a subjective experience where not so much outwardly, but inwardly, we're being nourished, we're being fed. All that the Lord is in his word is being uh, worked into us and being ministered into us to bring us through any kind of situation. Now, Bill, in this coming portion, I want to bring us to the transition that I referred to way back in the opening word, because in verse 4, it's very striking. Uh, we've been talking now about the regeneration, this organic uh, aspect of salvation, organic aspect of the Christian life, and the nourishing element of the milk of the word and as newborn babes. And then all of a sudden here, verse 4, Peter says, coming to him, or in the King James, I believe it says, to whom coming, a living stone rejected by men, but with God chosen and precious. Uh, what a transition, Bill, uh, from the milk in the word which we've been coming to the word, but now he says, we're coming to this stone. Let's uh, join Witness Lee as he tries to unravel the, this apparent contradiction. Now we've gone to the next verse. To whom coming? Verse 4. Whom, no doubt, refers to the Lord. To the Lord you come. And this Lord is a living stone. <laughs> Could you realize sometimes... Peter, she jumps. <laughs> you could see from the mill she jumped to the stone. I don't know where's the bridge. No bridge. He just jumped over there. Well, I have to check with you. Peter says, coming to the Lord. To whom coming? You tell me. Coming. By what way? Have you ever realize that when you are drinking the milk from the word, that is your coming to the Lord. Because what is the milk in the word? That's the Lord. The Lord is the milk. That's Christ. So when you drink the milk, you come to the Lord. Now, from the milk of Christ, <laughs> He jumps to the stone Christ. How could the milk become the stone? Well, to you and me, it's impossible. But to the Lord, as he is all inclusive, his milk is the stone. In the morning, you drink Christ as the milk from the word. Right away, the whole day, transformation has been going on. Ah, after work, five o'clock, what you expect to do? You expect to have fellowship with the saints, to meet with the saints. You know what it is? This is building. This building. So in the morning, Christ was the milk. 
In the evening, Christ becomes the stone. And in the day, the milk has done a transforming work. Before you have the experience drenching Christ as the milk, you like to be scattered. I don't like to go to meeting. The strange thing, I experienced whatever I was unable to do, the Lord did it. After drinking of the word, I long to come to the meeting. So, you can see, firstly, the Lord is the meal to us, to nourish us. By this nourishing, transformation will be accomplished. Then, the building. In the building, the Lord is the stone. This is why, firstly, you have the milk, then you have the stone. Well, Bill, as we pointed out in the opening word, Peter's writing may not satisfy the literary critics, but it surely matches our experience and really presents us with some marvelous spiritual truths here. We've had this experience, haven't we? We don't touch the Lord, we don't get in the Word, and the, the thought of um, coming together with other believers uh, and experiencing real fellowship, it's just uh, not what we're looking forward to, is it? That's right. never going to happen. Brother Lee's expounding here. It's just marvelous how he opens up these few verses here in First Peter. As he got into it, I was reminded of, again, back to Paul here. I'm comparing Peter to Paul. If we read Paul's epistle to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul has the same thought here. He talks about we believers being God's farm. Mm-hmm. God's cultivated land, which is something botanical. And then, right the next phrase, he says, God's farm, God's building. And you wonder, Paul, how could the farm become a building? How could something botanical become something mineral? And it's the same process, the process of transformation, right. where we enjoy the Lord, preferably in the morning. Then that life element that gets into us when we get into his word, when we drink his word, when we pray over his word, that element, Chris, works in us, right? It right. operates in us during the day. It carries away a lot of the natural things in our life, and it brings in another divine element. And as that goes on and operates, then what happens spontaneously, we want to be with others. We want to come together with others, hopefully in the evening or other times with other believers, and share our enjoyment of Christ with them. Then when we share our Christ with them, they share their Christ with us. This is a building going on. So you have this seed there mentioned in the first chapter, the incorruptible seed that regenerates us. That's the botanical life. And then you have the stones in verse 4. That's the mineral life. So there you have the transition there from something botanical to something mineral by the process of transformation. It's all throughout uh, both the writings of Peter, the writings of Paul. Peter calls us babes. We're about to see in the coming verses in the program tomorrow and beyond that he calls us living stones. You also as living stones. So the transformation process that you just described so well is just a saturated in Peter's writings, and as you pointed out as well, through Paul's writings and even in John's writings and uh, Revelation and his epistles. So this is the divine thought in the New Testament, isn't it? It really is. Uh, I also enjoyed here Brother Lee's talking about coming to the Lord. 
Many times we say, how can I come to the Lord? He's invisible, and, you know, I don't see him. I can't feel him. Where is he? But when we come to his word, Chris, I think we realize, wow, we realize the Lord is there. And then we begin to soak in his riches, absorb him, and then something metabolic starts to take place in our Christian life. And then we want to fellowship with other believers, and then we begin the building process. And we become, as you say, the stones. The Lord is the stone, and by enjoying him, we become the living stones just like the Lord. Wow. Bill, uh, this is good stuff. I look forward to having you back again. Of course, I realize um, you're on your way uh, out of the country for a couple of weeks to blend and be with believers uh, in Russia. So um, pray that the Lord would really, uh, of course, keep you safe, but also uh, bring you into full and rich enjoyment as you're there with him. And we'll look forward to your return and you join us again at that time. It's a real pleasure to be here around the Lord's Word. Amen. I hope you'll contact us so that you can get these printed life study messages. I think by now uh, you should have some taste, uh, and that should create some longing. Of course, the the Bible is the Word of God, but we really recommend these life study messages to help and assist uh, in your enjoyment, your study, and your drinking of that rich Word. If you'd like to contact us for that, please call toll-free 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Join us again tomorrow as we continue our life study of 1 Peter. For Bill Lawson, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. You can now enjoy titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee on your computer, tablet, or smartphone. Visit lsm.org slash ePublications to find all that Living Stream has available. We support Kindle, Nook, iSilo, and ePub formats, which means you can enjoy this ministry on all kinds of PC and Mac devices. Many of our publications are also available on Amazon.com and at iTunes. But to see everything we have to offer, visit our website at lsm.org slash ePublications. Thanks for listening today.